Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I don't know if you were able to get on the podcast today because it was kind of a last minute uh, timing, but I am Paula and I pray. And I want to talk today uh, uh, with you about the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit, but about what new age religion is and learning to discern, is it Christian or new age? So let's go into prayer right now. I pray this is a blessing to your heart. If you don't link up with me now, you will later. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace, and we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Uh, We thank you for teaching us your word, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher of this church. We invite you to come. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter, the counselor, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. You are the spirit of truth who leads and guides us into all truth. I pray the eyes of everyone listening, eyes will be open. Their spiritual hearts will be opened. Their minds will be open to hear the glorious gospel and to receive the truth in Jesus' name and be delivered if there's anything binding them. Amen. Let it be so. Amen. So as we are on this call, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the subject because I think it's important to start out with why is it important that we learn to discern what's going on. And I have some notes here that I'm reading from, uh, actually. And it's about the difference uh, to know if something is New Age or if it's Christian. Now, there are a lot of terms that people are hearing today that sound Christian. Uh, Where Christ, I want to give a definition, where Christ is in it, but he's not the one. He's not central to it. And actually, I wanted to Just make a commentary. I'm reading out of a remix out of a message Bible. I just want to read the introduction to the book of Colossians. If you're not familiar with that book, you need to read it. uh, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, and he shared who Christ is. Who is Christ? Jesus. And so let's go to the word for the truth. And I want to read the intro. It says, hardly anyone who hears the full story of Jesus and learns the true facts of his life and teaching about his crucifixion and resurrection, can walk away with a shrug of the shoulders, dismissing him as unimportant. But people who are ignorant of the story are either misinformed about it, of course, or they will just dismiss him. But with few exceptions, others know instinctively that they are dealing with the most remarkable greatness. But it's quite common for those who consider Jesus truly important to conclude or include others who seem to be equally important. For example, in his company, Buddha, Moses, you could say Socrates, Muhammad, uh, starting along with other personal favorites that people like. For these people, Jesus is important, but he's not central. He's considerable, considerable, but he's not preeminent. The Christians at the time that Paul wrote the letter to Colossae, Colossae, or at least some of them, seem to have been taking this line of thought. For them, there were cosmic forces of one sort or another that were getting equal billing with Jesus. Paul writes to them in an attempt to restore Jesus, the Messiah, to the central, the center of their lives. Paul was confident in the conviction that Christ occupies the center of creation and salvation without peers. And Paul does this beautifully. And I was just noting here the way he gave his argument was to to bring them back to him. So at that time, there were many who did not believe that Jesus held preeminence. So 
Paul begins to tell them the truth. And I'm going to read to you from the Bible in the book of Colossians in the New Testament what he says about Jesus, who is Jesus, and the importance of Jesus, okay? Because, you know, many people in the ancient world, they believed their destiny was controlled by spiritual forces. So they did believe in spiritual forces. But Paul emphasizes that Christ is the only one with true spiritual power and to rely on his guidance other than anyone else. So he speaks to them about the great wisdom and understanding that they would find in Christ being the center of their faith. If they would open their hearts and minds, he would, they would receive the truth and they would understand that Christ God has freed us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. The son paid for our sins and in him we have forgiveness. So I want to note that the importance of Christ in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He says, no one can see God, but Jesus Christ is the exact likeness like him. He ranks higher than everything that has been made. Through this power, all things were made, things in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, all powers, authorities, lords and rulers, all things were made through Christ and for Christ. He was there before anything was made and all things continue because of him. He is the head of the body, which is his church. Everything comes from him. He is the first one who was raised from the dead. So in all things, Jesus has first place. God was pleased for all him for all of himself to live in Christ. And through Christ, God has brought all things back to himself again. Things on earth, things in heaven. So God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. Cross. At one time, you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds and the evil things you did were against God. But now God has made you his friends again. He did this through Christ's death in the body so that he might bring you into his God's presence. As people who are holy, with no wrong and with nothing of which God can judge you guilty. This will happen if you continue strong and sure in your faith. You must not be moved away from the hope brought to you by the good news that you have heard. The same good news has been told to everyone in the world. And he says, I, Paul, help in preaching this good news or that good news. So he said the translation for this in Colossians 1.15 is that he is the image of the invisible God, where image brings to mind the divine image that God, God impressed on human beings in creation according to Genesis 1. Bearing God's image gives human beings the special privilege of relating to God and to be God's representative governing creation. So here is the importance that Christ has done is revealed because human beings bear the image of God. God can come to earth in human form. This Christ is a perfect union of the human and the divine. He is fully God and fully human. So I want you to note that Christ became a human being and dwelt among us, all right? So that's why you can trust him. That's why you can look to him, all right? And the person of the Holy Spirit is the expression, the third person of the Godhead, or or the triune God, is, is more than just tongues. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2, and have received this gift, of tongues because on the day of Pentecost they were assembled in one place and the Holy Spirit came like a tsunami fire and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment the moment you mention the Holy Spirit, some say, Oh yes, that's tongues, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not tongues. Tongues 
is the gift that he gives you, the speaking with other tongues, a supernatural power to speak in an unknown language to glorify God as your prayer language, and that anointing comes upon you. So there's a greater, there's a revival coming that is greater than just like you're speaking in tongues all day, but the tongues is meant, is meant to be a power source for you. It is praying in the spirit, being in the spirit biblically is praying in other tongues. So if you say, what is the spirit? The Holy Spirit, there's only one Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke about him. John chapter 14, 15, and 16, the Father's promise would come and they would be filled with, infused with power from on high after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit would come. So you want to look to the Bible and biblical reference for walking and being in the Spirit, not by someone telling you that they are spiritual and that they want to offer you some Christ consciousness or a, be a guide, all right? So, so let's look at the, a deeper meaning into the New Age movement, New Age religion, and what it boasts of, and then look at Christianity and compare the two. So the first thing you notice with New Age people that are into this, they, they, they name the name of Jesus Christ, but it's kind of a variety, you know, um, he's Jesus, but it's Jesus and some other God, all right, included in this. And, and so Jesus is involved, but he's not preeminent. He's not the one. You know, the Bible says in um, Galatians, I'm going to look that scripture up here. Also, excuse me, in Hebrews, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors in chapter 1 through the prophets many times and in many different ways. But now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. God has chosen his son to own all things, and through him he made the world. The son reflects the glory of God, shows exactly what God is like. He holds everything together with his powerful word. When the son made people clean from their sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, the great one in heaven. The son became much greater than the angels, and God gave him a name that is much greater than theirs. This is because God never said to any one of the angels, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Nor did he say to say of any angel, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when God brings his firstborn son into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. This is what God said to said about the angel about the angels god made his angels because become like winds he made he makes his servants become like flames of fire the angels are ministering spirits and they minister to us okay that's their job but god said this about his son god he calls him god your throne will last forever and ever you will rule your kingdom with fairness you love right and hate evil so god has chosen you from among your friends he has set you apart with much joy all right. So there is this preeminence of Christ. He's not he's that's not Christ consciousness. There's nothing in the Bible about having the consciousness of God or the likeness of God or that there are many um, you know spiritual guides that will help you. There isn't. That's not biblical. The Bible says there is one Holy Spirit. Once you receive Jesus, you can receive Jesus into your heart, but you've got to admit that you're a sinner that Christ came to save us, that we were lost. So the admittance that we are sinners is a big part of Christianity. In New Age religion, it's not. It is not in it. So I'm going to give you a, a little overview here of what it says. To start, Jesus was only like a prophet, all right? 
Now, he couldn't just be a prophet because the Bible just told us that he spoke long ago through his prophets, but now he's speaking through his son. There's only one and only son, the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He could, but Jesus commanded the elements. He made the wind stop. He, he walked on water. He multiplied bread and fish. Not only did he, did he die, but he ra- was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead. In essence, Jesus raised himself from the dead and overcame the power of death. This is not only impressive, but it's unprecedented. Even more incredible, we have hundreds of eyewitnesses to all of this, several of whom gave their testimony in writing. So Jesus um, made sure that his miraculous legacy would be a phenomenal legacy from healing the sick to mass conversions uh, to uh, his followers, that there, this would be a time that um, all of earth would see that Christ came, he died for sinners, and he, he set us free from the power of sin and death, the, the, the curse of sin and death. He became a curse for us. No one else has done that. Now, there, there are people who like to sell um, themselves or sell another type of um, godliness, I guess you would say, through life force energy. That's another word they use. They, they manipulate the energy to bring you into health and healing. That is unbiblical, by the way. No. They use, they call the science of energy or healing through energy forces, Okay. But we know there are those who call themselves diviners or prophets or those who say they can see into the future, psychics, channelers. Um, but, but, you know, Christianity, you can't, you could look at the prophets of old, like you could look at Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah. There's no one like them. There's no one like him. So it's very dangerous to try to compare mediums who say they contact the dead. Why would you want to contact the dead? Why would you want to contact the dead? The mediums are forbidden in the Bible. Those who say they can speak to the dead, they're forbidden. All right, so people are walking away from Christ. Some don't intend to. They may be good people, and they sort of are packaging a new age idea in a Christian-sounding language to verily unsuspecting people. But... If you want to know the truth, you can only look at God's word and you can see this is fake. This philosophy of new age, rather, or the therapy of this type of um, religion, it's actually a religion that's prevailing. It's like another gospel. It's a form of divination. It's a form of witchcraft, okay? So using energy healing, using crystals, using yoga even, using meditation, any kind of program that seeks self. It seeks self. Christ is somewhere in the background, but you're on the throne of your life. It's not true devotion. It's superstition. It's goddess worship. Um, it's spirituality outside of God, outside of Jesus. And it's presented in a way, it's kind of packaged in a way, that is self-discovery, come and, you know, dream works, or come into these help, self-help programs to find inner peace. But it's actually a mind-controlling program that have demonic spirits involved. It's a cult-like program. So people are brainwashed into believing that this really works. They use all kinds of dangerous ways. Um, 
these ideas, these movements, these practices, these belief systems are outside of the word of God. So it's not new age. It is not new age. I mean, it's not uh, Christianity. It is definitely new age, okay? So I want to clarify that because it is very, very dangerous, all right? So, and it's very subtle. But Paul, he had to address this uh, to the churches at the time, and he addressed it in Hebrews. I believe he wrote Hebrews. Some don't know, but I think he did. It's not important right now. But he also addressed it to the church at Colossae and the church at Galatia or Galatians. And at that time, they were moving away from Jesus Christ. And he said, the authority is only the good news. So he began to say to the people, in, in, for example, in Galatia, he said, I want you to know the good news I preached you was not made up by human beings. I did not get it from humans, nor did anyone teach it to me, but Jesus Christ showed it to me. You've heard about my life in the Jewish religion. I attacked the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was becoming a leader in the Jewish religion, doing better than most Jews of my age. I tried harder than anyone else to follow the teachings handed down by our ancestors. But God had special plans for me and set me apart for his work before I was born. He called me through his grace and showed his son to me so that I might tell the good news about him to those who are not Jewish. He went to the Gentiles. He said, when God called me, I did not get advice or help from any person. I didn't, he didn't seek any human. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me. But without waiting, I went away to Arabia and later Arabia to the desert, later back to Damascus. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to meet with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. He said, I met no other apostles except James, the brother of the Lord. So he is giving an account of what happened to him. And he was very concerned because he said to the church at Galatia, I was called to be an apostle, not by human beings. So he was saying that the Lord... Jesus gave himself for our sins to free us from this evil world. But he said this. He said, I am amazed in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am, so I am amazed that you are turning away so quickly and believing something different than the good news or the gospel. Really, there is no other good news. But some people are confusing you. They want to change the good news of Christ. They want to change the good news. There's another Jesus, another gospel, another good news. Not the one we preach to you, the good news. So if we ourselves or even an angel from heaven should preach to you something different, we should be judged guilty. I said this before and I say it now again. You have already accepted the truth, like they've accepted the good news about Jesus. But if anyone is preaching something different to you, he should be judged guilty. You know, so he's, he's, he's nailing them because there were other gospels, if you will, good news being preached, and they were false. They were counterfeits. So in our day, um, we need to come across the discernment to know if you're caught in a movement that is non-Christian and you believe it is Christian, how do you discern? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John fourteen six. So many people are into different kinds of therapies even that sound good uh, to cure illnesses, okay, for example. And there are many Americans who have formed industries that have billion-dollar industries, self-help programs that, that have tried to bring people into practices that are um, energy medicine, for example. So 
In um, the uh, Bible, if you looked in ancient times, the life force they were talking about then would flow through the environment. And the word identified uh, as life force is rosh, rosh, and it's breath. And in Hebrews, it means pneuma, the breath of the gods, plural, by the Greeks and spiritus by the Romans. So as breath was acknowledged to be a material substance like psychic and spirit involvement, um, this was a supernatural medium, they said, by which you had a life or consciousness. The idea that matter alone can do the job has never been proved popular. So the science was developed there that they kind of uncovered this and down through the ages. You see many people talking about the mysterious powers of the mind and the psychic forces and the electromagnetic waves and and tele, tele you know teletherapy and uh, telepathy and these things this is the history though of energy medicine and it was studied but it was dealing, dealing with the environment again it's another way outside of Jesus okay so energy healers don't have scientific facts and it's very confusing to the public they can't distinguish this so we need to look at it more carefully because it is so dangerous. I'm running into people all the time that believe, I remember um, I knew someone that did this practice called Reiki, Reiki, R-E-I-K-I, Reiki, and they're very confused because the people were manipulating, they said a spiritually guided life force or energy, um, and they said that this was a practice uh, through the cranial, sac sacral, sacral um, cranial through your your brain through your head and they would do these practices on you which is nothing more than uh, a demonic force that's impersonating um, you know Christ using massage therapy for example confusing the public uh, and and again this is very misleading because people want therapy they do need there's true massage therapy but they combine combine it with new age therapy new age spirituality cranial sac sacral or um, it's uh, reiki it's energy healing that's what it's called so there's a big difference between massage therapists wanting to assist the body's natural healing processes and that's okay and then uh, coming into what they call the paranormal or the um, metaphysical and using they say um, energy well, who's the energy? What's confusing is it's very serious, these practitioners, because they confuse New Age techniques with Christian teaching. For example, there is the Holy Spirit, who is an actual person, and he is the power of God, the light of God, the love of God. And the Bible tells Christians who have come to Christ that they have been given power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But this is a very different practice. This isn't, this isn't Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, and the Holy Spirit of God that we know in Jesus speaking about in John 14, 15, and 16. This is another gospel and another Jesus, okay? Paul made it very clear that there were other Jesuses being preached. Jesus is not a channeler. He was not a channeler of universal energy, all right? No, no. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So it's not a secret technique. You know, Jesus goes about where he uses his hands to heal. 
and casting out devils, commanding, having power over demonic forces. All right, so people can, can take uh, the scriptures out of context, write their own religious ideologies, and then pawn it off on people who don't know the Bible. When Jesus conferred his power to his disciples only, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every kind of disease and sickness. It is his authority over illness that Christ gave his followers, not a secret teaching technique. All right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. There's nothing in that stated in there that you can you can control that energy or that it comes from another source. Um, and just by believing in it is a dangerous delusion like, or da- danger that you have energy. And it's, it's actually um, rituals that involve spirit guides. So there are, there are evil spirits in this that are operating, deceiving humans, okay? And it's very dangerous. There are, these are superstitious kind of medicines that, are, that were used, and it, it, they refuse to submit, actually, to actual scientific methodologies, actually, but they refuse to submit to the truth of the gospel, the word of God, that you, you must be born again. Actually, they don't talk about sin. Sin is kind of very vague. It's in the background. Like the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They don't practice that. Again, so suddenly there's all these practitioners around. And, um, you know, uh, one, one, one testimony I read about was someone who was involved with this. And they went finally to a friend who brought her to a church that she was led to ask Jesus for help because she had been involved with people um, working on her through this Reiki practitioner, and they began. She began to renounce this Reiki, Reiki, R-E-I-K-I, this practice, which was a she thought was massage therapy, and um, she screamed when they prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And this spirit came out that was manifested. I was reading this in a book, and they noted that this was um, a demonic spirit and had lied. And so when you hear words like guided life energy or guided spirits or invisible spirit guides, when you hear um, people talking about how they've sought healing in other ways outside of Christ, outside of healing, it's very dangerous. And so... Anyways, you, you as a believer may not have a problem because you're not involved with this, but there are other people who believe in these spiritual beings and they believe that they're in some secret society, secret sacred symbols where they there's hidden things, which the word hidden is the occult, and they're involved in um, using these um, pronouncements and speaking these words, which is not biblical. I'm telling you it's very dangerous, okay? So we can look at science and see, um, you know, what people are doing to get free from, you know, sleeplessness or depression or, you know, low blood pressure or high blood pressure. You can look at science and get some ideas, but there's really no science behind these things. Um, and it's, it's an alternative, they call it alternative medicine, but really... There's a problem in it because it has spiritual guides in it. And it's actually impersonating, trying to impersonate Jesus, which is impossible. I mean, you know, really, it's superstition and it's very evil. 
it's rooted in evil, I'm telling you. So if you're, if you're practicing it and you say, no, it's not, it is. It's blaspheming God, actually. All right? So Jesus uses hands to heal, but Jesus is God in the flesh. So we're not confusing that. Jesus blessed little children, laid his hands on them. You know, but Jesus is God, you know? So we've got to be careful with that. It's magic is, you know, is not miracles. Jesus walked in the miracle-working power of God. And so I'm just going to give you a few things here to ask uh, what is substituting for the Holy Spirit in your life, the true Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. There's only one Holy Spirit, and he would never lead you astray. So let's ask ourselves a couple questions. If you're dealing with this New Age philosophy or religion, it is a religion. It is a false religion. If you're dealing with the New Age God, I want to tell you, is God a being with whom you have a relationship as in a Christian religion? Or is it something that you use, you use to manipulate or harness? Because in the Christian religion, God is having a relationship with us through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. It's not an impersonal energy. It's not the universe speaking to us now. There's communion. God in himself is a personal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who created the universe and shares his life with us through his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Another question, is there just like one Jesus Christ or are there many thousands of Christ? In New Age religion, there's thousands of Christ. There's Christ consciousness. And Christians believe Jesus Christ is God. That, you know, the same Jesus is truly God, truly man. All right. And, you know, in, in New Age religion, the human being is there is one universal being or there are many individual individuals. There is this theory that we are entities are components of a larger reality. You know, um, this is the idea of the existence over the sum total of themselves pervades this new age thought. It's a practice where union with the whole cosmos. So it's the idea that you're you're part of the cosmos. They use these words. They use these techniques. The Christian approach is is that each man and woman is a unique creation, a human being that is made in God's image and likeness as holy. Our human as as human beings, the human person is a mystery fully revealed in Christ alone, in Jesus Christ alone. We're authentic human beings in relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. I say, do we save ourselves? In New Age, you do. It's a works basis. Or is it salvation freely given, a free gift from God through Jesus Christ? You save yourself, I mean, by your own actions? Are we saved by God's love? For Christians, we depend on our salvation totally on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a direct personal God who manifests himself in his one and only son. The human situation is really bad because we have personally sinned against God. That's originally sinned against God. So sin is an offense against God. But God reconciled us to himself, brought us back to himself through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, through the cross, through the blood of the cross. So in New Age religion, Nothing to do with that. That's in the background. Jesus is, is one of many gods, all right? So we don't invent truth. <laughs> so in New Age religion, they invent truth, but we embrace the full gospel of the word of God, all right? We believe Jesus is the way to heaven. He is the way back to the Father's heart. In other words, we don't have to make up, you know, 
things and finding our own truth so we can feel good. Sin is out of there. We don't believe in that. We just think good, keep thinking good thoughts. No. You have a sinful heart. You have a sin nature. It needs to be transformed, the Bible says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, asking him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. So you can confuse. There's a tendency to confuse prayer even and meditation, psychology and spirituality together and insist that there are works that you must do, certain things you need to say, certain meditations, certain prayers. Now, there are good things that can prepare you, but Christian prayer is very different. It's very different. We actually come to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. As a Christian, a born-again child of God, can come directly to the Father in Jesus' name. Based on what Jesus has done, we are urged to do that, to find help in time of need. Not so in New Age religion. So in New Age religion, they are tempted there to deny sin. You know, um, in New Age, there is no real concept of sin. You know, it's like we need enlightenment. Well, the light one, there's only one light one. Jesus is the love, light, and life of God himself. God himself manifested in the flesh. And so there is no enlightenment outside because this is kind of a, um, those who practice new age are never told what to believe or what to do or what not to do. So they kind of do like a thousand ways of exploring your inner person or reality. Go to your intellect, go to your intercession, intuition and trust in yourself. No, absolutely not. In the Christian perspective, only in the knowledge of God's plan for man, only what God has said, what he has spoken in his word, God and his word are one, can we grasp that sin is an abuse of the freedom God has given to us. So a loving God came to rescue us. Sin is an offense, okay? So it's a failure on our part not to turn to God for help and ask him to forgive us through his son Jesus Christ and his blood shed at Calvary for us for the remission of sin. So God reconciled us, Jesus reconciled us back to himself through the Father that we can receive eternal life. In New Age religion, there's no promise of everlasting life, true life. So, you know, New Age, is it New Age or is it Christian? So New Age writers view suffering as self-imposed or like bad karma. It's a failure, you know. So reincarnation is what is taught there for spiritual growth, you know, evolution, you know, um, which began before we were born and will continue after we die. You're evoluting into, evolving into something else. No, that is not correct. The Bible teaches there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And once we die, after that comes the judgment. There's no reincarnation. The, the, the rebirth of the human spirit is taught the, 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 uh, you must be born again a second time. A spiritual rebirth is taught through Jesus Christ, not a reincarnation. Because reincarnation is irreconcilable with the Christian belief. There's nothing in it. We had to have a redeemer to suffer in our place. We, you know, we can't suffer or share anything with that. Our suffering is nothing to do with that. It's because of our rebellion against God that we suffer the pain. All right? pain. So it's Jesus who has came. He came to heal us. It says by his stripes or his wounds, we are healed and made whole. 
So um, much in New Age is very self-promoted. Um, the cosmic self, you know, um, harmony, and you know, it's it's all these things. You can come in oneness with the universe, and but genuine Christians are searching for freedom through the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're a genuine Christian, you're not seeking cosmic, you know, acceptability through the great cosmos, through the universe will accept you. You're seeking God and his person, who is Jesus Christ, his personal God. Is the future in our in the stars? Is the future in the worship of the moon? Is, is the future in these pagan gods and goddesses? Is the future lying in, um, you know, the stars, or we believe the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, triumphant, came to redeem us, born a babe in Bethlehem. In the beginning, God, he created the heavens and earth, and he spoke the world into existence through his word. And his word became flesh, it says, and dwelt among us. That person is Jesus Christ. So also, if you're looking at spiritual practices and teachings of the New Age, does the person who practice New Age ask God's help in carrying it out or explain they have a spiritual energy or they have spirituality or they have, they're in the spirit outside of God? So if you ask the question, who is the God they're calling upon, is it the Christian God? Because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. To seek any other God, small g, G-O-D, outside of the biblical God is the sin of idolatry, and it's strictly forbidden to worship other gods. So are we humbly asking God to come in the name of Jesus? You know, there's a clear Bible promise there of a genuine God who gives us gifts and who gives us the gift of eternal life through his one and only Son. It's not fake. It's not false. Does the person claim to be helped? Does the person that claims to be the prophet or the prophetess or the one who speaks for God, the medium or the practitioner, that they're being helped through spiritual guides that come to help them? No, that would be demons or dead person's souls. That's what they're claiming. The only legitimate thing to that would be God's ministering angels who come, and they are called ministers who minister for us who are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. They're spirits who minister to us, but they are not in any way taking any credit at all. They said, worship Jesus. Don't bow down to me. Don't ask me. You don't need to go through another channel. If you're a Christian, you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus if you're a true believer and contact the Father you know, does the person who practice manipulate, does it manipulate you in any way? You know, um, using so-called, you know, healing therapies where they, they say energies, the, that's the sin of sorcery. That's using witchcraft. Outside, you know, trying to find God outside of him is witchcraft. You know, is it likely or possible the therapy they're using has has no secret to it. Note that they use this word secret, you know, um, different therapies. Unknowingly, some people are involved in these negative spiritual effects of using these therapies. Like what I'm even, I'll, I'll even tell you right now, people that get into um, homeopathic or aromatherapy, you say, well, isn't there something good about, you know, um, you know, chamomile or lavender and 
and, and these sense, of course there is. Of course there's something that can help you. There are therapies that can help you. There are whole, a whole, um, whole vitamins and, and whole foods that can help you heal, heal your body or maintain it, you know, and, and along with good food sources. You know, we teach that, but that is, not to be what, that is not to be the number one thing in your life. You're not seeking those things outside of Christ. You see what I mean? Christ has to be preeminent in first place in your heart and life. And then the Holy Spirit will lead you to the right remedies to help you to find the right, the right resources and the right vitamins and, and minerals and things like that. So the practice has to be compatible with Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, with Christian teaching in the Bible. New age, new age practice will tell you that you are God, actually. That you're already one with God. And to become closer to God, merely by your own exercises, practices, that's a false Christ. That is a false teaching. If you think you are, actually the Bible says, actually says this, and whether you can handle this or not, bodily exercise profits nothing. But the spiritual exercise he was talking about was the ministry of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take care of your body. The house that God's given you to live in, you're going to be accountable for that. Again, this isn't one on side, you know, one side or the other side. It's just giving you practical Proverbs wisdom. Be careful that you don't unknowingly slip into a practice that brings a negative spiritual effect in your life because you are you are in essence the devil has been very sly and slick and he's gotten you to shift your 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 whole life over to a worship if you will that means centering your life upon someone other than Jesus Christ a person for example uh, a therapy for example um something or some we have to be careful even with servants of the lord we can we need to look to god and everything has to check out with the word of god we can't just you know be looking to some human being we have to look to jesus and make sure he's confirmed the person so they can be good people but they are most likely looking at alternative sources that are suggesting that they are able to get closer to God purely by their virtue, no, by their own practices. Like, like if I practice this, I will, I will be spiritual. You know, we see this all the time. People are meditating. They're doing yoga. They're doing exercises. Not just going out and just doing, you know, some, you know, riding their bike or, or you know, going to the gym and working out and enjoying a healthy lifestyle. No, they're doing practices that they think are making them spiritual. How did they get there? How could someone as a Christian get there? Well, I can tell you how they got there. If you check up on their lifestyle, you will find out that they are not looking, they're not in faith believing. The Bible calls us to walk in faith in God and not to walk in our own mind in our own emotions, to be let off. See, some of you are being let off by your emotions. You're, you're, you're operating out of your soul. You're operating on a very low level. You're not operating spiritually at all, okay? So there's no, there's no, um, there's practices that people want you to believe in, but they're not really based on any evidence. They're, they're kind of like superstitious. And the teaching that is being offered and promoted is not based on truth, the Word of God. So if you participate in this practice, 
or you're giving kind of a false impression that it's Christianity, you're leading others into sin. Do you understand that? That is what you're doing. All Christians are responsible to walk in faith and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Okay, every Christian is responsible for their own life. You, you can't look to your husband or your wife or your friend or your pastor or your neighbor or to some quote-unquote spiritual person to, to get you through your life on this earth. You have to look to Jesus first personally, and he is glad to lead and guide you into all truth because he's called the good shepherd. He's showing you the Father's love. All right? So, so God, he has a great plan for us. And this is a very short message. I'm trying to fit a lot in, so bear with me here. So if you're being sincere and you really want to find the truth, you will not allow yourself to fall into some sort of spiritual program that is leading you away from Christ. And it's actually turning you away from Christ. So you must understand it has to pass the test. The Word and the Holy Spirit agree. Everything about Jesus and the Word of God is your source. So are you using this practice in a way that is, is it under the Lordship of Christ? Is it totally conformed to the Word of God? Are you totally trusting in Jesus? If you're using it as a kind of a way to find out, um, I want to know my future, I want to get hooked up with the right person, I don't totally trust Jesus, that's sin. If you, if you have not ruled out new age in your life, you need to right now. You need to ask Jesus to keep you and protect you from the evil one and from these practices in any way, shape, or st- or a form to lead you astray from him. And so another thought and suggestion here before I close, and I do want to make part two on this, on the spiritual life that Christ has called us to and the school of the Spirit and the reality of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you about beware of self-help programs of people who contradict the Christian faith and kind of spin off on some Christian ideas, but it's not Christian. Even prayer groups that have some kind of initiation ceremony or a labyrinth that they have to walk through and do a course in miracles or they have to, you know, walk so many hours and then they have to, you know, um, on their road to Emmaus. You go, well, isn't there really an Emmaus walk? Yes, there is. Some people use it in a mysterious, supernatural kind of false spirituality way where they think if they walk, you know, on this road, they're going to, Jesus is going to appear to them like he did to the two disciples when he rose from the dead. He actually appeared and acted like he was walking along with them and asking them what they were talking about. And they said, haven't you heard that Jesus was crucified? And he said, oh, and he walked in and it said, come stay with us. And then it says he, you know, he broke bread and then he just disappeared. So Jesus was on his road, making himself real to them that he was alive, he was not dead, because they had heard that he had risen from the dead. And these were a couple of disciples of his, right? So Jesus is kind of a character there, you know, he shows up and he's, he's, he's appearing, making appearances, you know? And so people have made that also into sort of a cult-like thing. Now, I know there are sincere groups, there are sincere prayer groups. I know that they're not taking advantage of that. I know that they're they're not walking in a form of false, you know, a worship. I know that. But there are some who do. It must be Jesus Christ. He has to be the center of it. 
And only the Holy Spirit can give you the right thing to judge the intention of any prayer group, okay? And, and although there is no problem with learning how to sit quietly in the presence of God and practicing the presence of God, that's a very good thing to learn how to be quiet, to pray, to listen to God, sometimes just meditating on his word. The Bible says, meditate on my word, think about the word. Actually, it means speaking it softly to yourselves. That, that is actually biblical. It's, it's, it's very biblical. Now, there's some other movements, though. They have a kind of a secret knowledge, uh, transcendental meditation, you know, um, other uh, occult-orientated movements that, that are coupled and cross over into prayer. And it's not prayer. Anyone, you know, if you've ever seen people pray or heard them pray, I should say, they don't all pray biblically, I'm sure. And you say, well, that's a good intention. It could be a good intention. I mean, they definitely are trying to find God or reach God. We know biblically that the way they're praying is not correct, but we, I'm just cautioning you that um, there's a lot of radical movements going on that are warning us that this is everywhere in the care of the environment, for example, uh, in all kinds of... Uh, agnostic secret knowledge and principles and this is the end times we're living before Christ returns so we need to make sure a true spiritual genuine hunger to grow in your Christian faith you will find it in Christ alone and emphasizing that alone the Christian faith you can be filled up to the overflowing and you can rediscover if you haven't the riches of a Christian heritage and spirituality through Christ there are many people down through the ages, who practice the truth. Um, and you can find that in many powerful leaders and ministries that are available to you today and the right group that are powerhouses for God and are, are, are very powerful. Not something that is a false or, or you know, pseudo-Christianity or you know, people just shopping around the World's Fair for religious, you know, appeals and trying to, you know, get something going, you know, putting, you know, happiness, personal faith and trust in, in this thing. Or That's not authentic prayer, not authentic Jesus, the not authentic Jesus. So I just wanted to close right now with, with my concern for you, reaching out to you today uh, to understand the truth and to remember this one thing and. The Bible says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is the Amplified Bible, verses 9 through 10, and this is a powerful verse, so let's look at it. I want you to think about it now, and don't close it away, because I want you to look at this. The, what does it say? On the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and has not entered even into the heart of man, all that God has prepared and made and keeps ready for those who love him, that is, for those who hold him in affectionate reverence, prompting, obeying him, promptly obeying him, excuse me, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he bestowed. So there are benefits. There are spiritual benefits to loving Christ, loving Jesus Christ, and reverencing him in his word. Yet to us, God has unveiled, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and to us, Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, 
the divine counsels and things hidden beyond man's scrutiny. This is powerful because we want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches the bottomless things of God. And so what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thought except the man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And here's the point Paul was making. He's saying, now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world. There are a lot of spirits that are sent out into the world to test the spirits. But the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 14 in the Amplified Version. And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural, non-spiritual man or woman, I'm just adding woman in there, does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. So in your natural life, learning the learning process of a born-again Christian, being in the school of the Holy Spirit, is to submit yourself to God, resist the devil, say no to the devil, and let the Lord Jesus Christ lead and guide you into all truth and the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'm going to close with that and pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And if you or anyone you know are involved in New Age therapy, New Age practices, a New Age religion of any kind, and you are a sweet person, you're a lovely person, you are trying to seek truth and spirituality in some kind of way of finding peace in your life, I want to pray with you. If you don't know that God loves you, if you don't know Christ came to die for you, that he already paid the price on the cross for you, if you would just bow your head right now and pray with me and ask Jesus to make himself real, to come into your heart and life and humble yourself, admit that you're a sinner, you need his grace, and he will come and he will manifest himself to you. He will forgive you of your sins if you will confess him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it takes faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Righteousness With his mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So it's not enough to think in your head, I believe on Jesus. I, I believe about Jesus. You know, I, yeah, I, I authentically think that Jesus is a historical figure. He's a good guy or he's a good prophet or he's like God or something. No, no. I'm talking about Jesus will come right now and manifest himself to you. If you will confess your sins, it says. Confess your faults. Confess your sins. And he will right now forgive you of his, of, with his great love. It's called, by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. We can't boast of saving ourselves. There's salvation in no other name. The Bible says in no other name can you call upon in which to be saved from eternal damnation. There's no other name. 
Don't think there's something else, another theory, an- another theory, another sci- unscientific program, another help self help self help program. You know, another new age ideology. The universe will thank you or something. No, no, a thousand times no. In the name of Jesus Christ, bow your head and just pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. I don't know you, Lord. I'm asking you. I'm asking you, Lord, to come now. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner and I have failed, Lord. I I, I, I can't make my life work. I can't figure this out, Lord. But I'm asking you, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins? And I'm asking you to come. You said if I would believe and would call on your name, I would be saved. And I'm calling upon your name. Forgive me, Lord. I confess my sins. And just go ahead. And you're, no one's there. You're by yourself. Just confess your sins to him. You can just say, Lord, forgive me. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead for my justification, for me. You redeemed me. You bought me with the price of your blood on the cross. And I thank you today, Jesus, that you came into my heart. You forgave me of my sins. And I'm your child now. And I thank you that I received the free gift of eternal life right now, that I am a born-again child of God. I'm going to ask you, Jesus, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. According to Acts chapter 2, I ask you, you said, wait for the Father's promise, and you filled them with the Holy Spirit. It was like a tsunami fire. I ask you, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit and fire now. Thank you for the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for filling everyone right now with the baptism of fire. And Lord, I thank you for leading and guiding them into the right church, into the right group of believers. And, and also, Lord, that they would have a hunger and thirst for your word, that they would each get a Bible and begin to read your word, Lord, the Gospels, to know who you are, Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of the New Testament, begin to find out who you are, Lord Jesus. I entrust them to you, Lord. Everyone on this call, everyone on this podcast that's listening, you have rededicated maybe your life to Christ. Maybe you didn't know these things and you had fallen away. Or maybe you did know these things, but you were led astray. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. For God so loved the world, not hated you. He loves you. He's not into hate. He's not into killing. He's not into murder. He said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and more abundantly. Receive the truth now. Don't block it. The word of God. Receive Jesus and be born again. And you're in the family of God, so I rejoice with you. I rejoice with you. If you want to contact me, just send me an email. You can send me an email. At my, I have several email addresses. You can send me Artsy Paula. It's A-R-T-S-Y-P-A-U-L-A, art at gmail.com. Or you can send me an email to Paula Praise, P-A-U-L-A-P-R-A-Y-S, at gmail.com. I'm sorry, Paula Praise Now at gmail.com. That's my, my mailing address. Paula, my name, Praise, P R A Y S, now at gmail.com. Sorry, I don't really send emails to myself. I forgot my email address. But I love you and I bless you and I thank God for you. May the fire of God fall on you. May you be blessed. May you receive and have amazing life with Jesus, life in His Word, life with the Holy Spirit. 
And anything blocking you right now, I just bind it. Any spirits that are trying to block you, in Jesus' mighty name, go. And we just receive the blessing of God now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So I bless you. Please send this podcast out to people that you know that need it. And I pray that this teaching is a blessing to them as well. And have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Hi, guys. This is Paula, and I pray. And so today my message is from 1 Samuel 17. Confront and conquer for deliverance for you and for your nation and for the church to declare war and engage in the ministry of conflict. I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, like young David did with Goliath, you have to have today an aggressive attitude to confirm that you will win. You have to know the Spirit and know the Word of God. You have to be in spiritual warfare today. You know, um, you have to equip yourself with the armor of the Lord and launch an attack against the Goliaths that are harassing our lives. What shall we then say to these things? Memorize the scripture, Romans 8, 31 and 37. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. When two opposing camps meet, there's going to be a confrontation. The Bible says, though, we thank God for John 5, 4, which says, Whoever is born, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. There's two things to remember there. Overcoming and the world, the flesh and the devil, and faith. You have to have faith in God's word. You have to know the word of God. If you're a Christian and you're a believer, you are ultimately not going to have a very good life on this planet if you do not get your nose in God's word and study to show yourself approved, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to study. You have to get up with God. You have to pray. There's some things you do. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you love God, if you love Jesus and you want to do his will, you're not going to get by today on not engaging in confrontation. So if you're being harassed in your life and being attacked by a Goliath, the giant, it is time to understand what God expects. He does not expect us to run from our enemies. He does not. He expects us to stand and face them. That's why Paul said, having done all, stand, stand therefore in Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. We should learn those spiritual weapons and we should put them on. He said, put on the armor of God. Notice it's not our armor, it's God's armor, whereby you will be able to stand against the wiles. That word is the wild things that he is doing in the earth today. Not just this COVID-19, not just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes in this world. This is a worldwide outright attack. If you don't get up and do spiritual warfare, you're going to be in very big trouble you're going to fall down, you're going to slide on down the slide with everyone else. And before you know it, your rights are taken away. You have no freedoms. And you're wondering, wonder how that happened. It happened because you were prayerless. It happened because you wouldn't even conquer and get into spiritual warfare. God didn't put us here for no glorious church. He put us here to be a glorious church. And so what should we do? What's the answer? You say, well, what is the answer? It is to have a fighting spirit. It is to learn this. So... James 4, 7, be subject to God, 
Notice, it doesn't say be subject to yourself, to some theory, to some uh, church, to some person, to some, be subject to God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. That's James 4, 7. Start saying no. I want you to practice saying no, devil, no trespassing on, on God's property. It is written in God's word. No, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Satan, I take authority over you. That word authority comes from the word power, which comes from the word dominion, which comes from the word of the Lord. Behold, I give you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are a type of demons, demonic devils. And all, it says, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. When Jesus released that word, he gave them power and authority to go and cast out the devil. That's what needs to be happening right now in your life, in my life, in all of our lives. Part of resisting is taking our God-given authority. Luke 10, 19, memorize it. Behold, I give you, say your name. Paula, whatever your name is, say it, authority. Jesus is speaking to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you believe that? You better believe it because this this authority has to be released now in the earth. There has to be mountains to be removed right now before the next election. So Mark eleven twenty three. 23, oh, let's see, I don't have that memorized. Well, how old are you in the Lord? Are you older than one year old in the Lord? Are you older than 10 years old in the Lord? Then this scripture, Mark eleven twenty three, should have already been in your heart. For assuredly, I say to you, say your name. Whoever says to this mountain, what mountain is in your way? What mountain is in our way right now in America? Be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his or her heart, but believes those things which he says will come to pass and he will have whatever he says. So you have to say, I am not leaving any room for the devil have a foothold. So leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give him no opportunity in Ephesians 4.27. Say no, say no, say no right now. Say no to sickness. Say no to mental oppression. Say no to disease. Say no to COVID-19. Say no that the, uh, the Democrats will not take over. Say no to world, you know, the new world order dominance. Say no to the Antichrist spirit. Say no. Start saying no, devil. You're not going to have this nation. You know, the only fight we have is the fight of resisting, really. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith in 1 Timothy 6.12. You know, he said, tells us to be strengthened in the inner man with the Holy Spirit, not to lose, not to cast away our confidence, which has great reward, for we have need of endurance so that we might have done the will of God and receive his promise in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Endurance means stay steady. We need to stay steady because it's bumpy. It's very, very bumpy right now. I, I really want to encourage you. I really want to exhort you to get going right now and confront and conquer. All right. So when two opposing forces meet, the result is confrontational. Okay. 
but some of you have not learned the basic Christianity 101 of authority. You do not understand authority. You know, many people on this planet do not understand authority. You know, Jesus is the head of heaven's army. He is the head of the universe, okay? God the Father gave him authority and dominion. He conquered the devil for us. He shed his blood on the cross. He went back. He took from planet heaven to planet or from planet earth to planet heaven, and he's up there, and he said, I'm leaving the keys of the kingdom with you, with me. Whatever you bind on earth or allow will be allowed. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. Whatever you, the church, does. So notice Jesus is the head, but he gives authority. Or in other words, he gives the right, the right as a child of God to use his name. In the name of Jesus, cast out demons. In the name of Jesus. See, you have the right of attorney to use, the power of attorney to use his name. So what were the works that Jesus did when he was on earth? Okay, so first of all, Jesus said, the works that you do, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. And then he called the 12 disciples and gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and disease. That's Matthew 10, 1. Jesus' primary ministry of course, was to reconcile us to the Father. His atoning sacrifice on the cross was to bring us salvation and deliverance. So in addition, Jesus demonstrated the power of God through teaching, preaching, healing, doing miracles, deliverance. He did deliverance. He delivered them from the authority of the devil because he's a stronger authority. He said, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. He's talking to you individually. Not just, as a, not just as a church, but individually. That power means authority. Dunamis is mighty power. Okay? Jesus is literally saying, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So nothing. This is a command. Symbols of that are evil spirits and wickedness. We are to bind those evil spirits and wickedness. The power or right is a command given to us by Jesus to execute final decisions in the earth. So follow the trail of scriptures, authority to teach the nations. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. He said that before he left. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, Matthew 28. So he said, go and teach all nations, baptize them. And in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them all things I command you. He said, go do this work. Authority to heal the sick. Why? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Notice healing is involved with oppression. And, and if you're sick or if your body doesn't work correctly, you notice there's oppression there and the devil is involved. That's demons. Did you notice that? And look it up in Acts 10.38. And when he had called them, he gave them power in Matthew 10, 1. Then he told them, go and preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse leopards, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. The spirit of God was upon Jesus to, break, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus. He was the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, to heal, to deliver, to preach, to minister, to preach, to heal the brokenhearted, deliver captives, bring sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are bound. 
God's favor was upon Jesus. So in the name of Jesus belongs to all believers. If you're a believer, you have a right to command demon spirits to depart. Now here's the problem I find out. Some of you don't even know when there's a demon operation involved. You're still looking into this natural world because you're not in the word. You're not tuned into the Holy Spirit. You're not asking God, what is an operation? Believe me, the false teaching that went around by, I don't know who, evangelical Christians or teachers several years ago was so screwy. It was like, no, don't talk about demons. I'm like, what are they talking about? Do they know the Bible? Have they read the New Testament? Don't talk about them. Who's giving them glory? We're casting them out of the situation. If I went into a, a, a room and I was to do a plan, you know, here's the plan. We're in the planning room. We're on the ground floor, the stages of building something. You were saying, what do we need to set this up in order to accomplish our goal? I would say, well, we need to get rid of this. We need to add this. Whatever we have to get rid of, if one of the people on that team with me said, oh, don't talk about that. I, I, don't, I don't want to hear that. I said, well, if we don't clear this out or get rid of this, we can't build on a clean foundation. That's what's happening in the church. The church doesn't want to get rid of its demons. It likes them. It's little devils. It likes them. So it kind of pets them and then it preaches doctrines that are false. Jesus just told us what to do cast and bind those devils and cast them out. Don't tolerate them. That's what the church has done. By the name of Jesus, these signs shall accompany them that believe in my name. Say it, Mark 16, 17. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. So even Paul and his deliverance ministry and operation, the Holy Spirit was working with him. That's what he's doing with us, working with us to learn to set the captives free. Paul was operating in this. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. If by the finger of God I cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. He said, when even... When it was evening, they came and brought him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick. Matthew eight sixteen. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he his word was with power. Luke four thirty two. Jesus didn't come preaching the Sadducees and Pharisees and, and the doctrines of men. He didn't come preaching that. Commanding to give authority. We have authority. We have authority. You know, it's odd that when Jesus came into the world to start his ministry, it's interesting in Mark 1, uh, it talks about there was, a, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, in Jesus' midst, let, let us, plural, alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Aren't you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, hold your peace. Like, be, In other words, be quiet and come out of him. Jesus, they, they revealed who Jesus, you know, it's sad. The people didn't recognize the Messiah, but these demons from the world of the Spirit said, yikes. And they were astonished at his doctrine, it says the people were in Luke 4, 32 and 35, because it said he taught as one with power 
And it said, in the synagogue, there was a man with unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Have thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked the spirit, saying, Hold your peace, come out. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. The, worst of the, the use of that word, us, teaches the believers that there are more than one demon. There was more than one demon. It was plural, us. The spirits that are mentioned in the Bible, there are many. So you can get, you can get a pretty good um, understanding of what kind of spirit you're dealing with. And who does need deliverance? Anyone that needs deliverance. Anyone that has habits that are habitual. Anyone that has been in sin. Anyone that is ignorant of the word of God. It can be anyone, a Christian or a non-Christian. Christians have demons often. Did you know that? Christians have demons, but we have to confront and conquer demons right now in our own world right now. We have to give God praise and worship. Then we have to conquer mightily against these spirits that are controlling. One of them is a spirit of antichrist and the other is a spirit of Jezebel or witchcraft. So in in this lesson, I wanted to talk a little bit about spirits in the Bible and I'm reading from a book called uh, Come Out and it's a book I had many, many years ago. I'd forgotten about it and I went back and I looked it up again to pray for deliverance in all these encounters you have in life for yourself and for others and for this nation and for this world. Like never before, the enemy is working day and night. But where is the church? The wicked spirits, the term wicked spirits would be malicious, very wicked, just plain troublemakers. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Remember that Ephesians six twelve. The term spiritual wickedness are evil spirits. They're set against this nation and against the, the ministry of Jesus and against his church, his true church. Now, how about the spirit of Jezebel? There's a woman named Jezebel, but then in in the uh, Old Testament, but in the New Testament, in Revelation 2.20, Jesus mentions the same woman's name as a, as a spirit of Jezebel, and that we can conclude from that it had influence over others. He said, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffer or you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. You know, Revelation 2.20 is clear. There are operations of spirits in operation in the church, and they need to be cast out. Obviously, this wasn't the same woman that Jezebel Ahab, that was an evil, wicked spirit, a spirit of witchcraft and sorcery. A wounded spirit is a very common thing that people need deliverance from hurts and wounds, you know, from inner the innermost being. The Bible says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but who can bear a wounded spirit in Proverbs eighteen fourteen. This type of wound is an injury that is deep. It goes very deep. It could be from the womb even. It could be from the womb, rejection from the womb. It's also generational. People say, I don't want to know about generational curses. We are talking about the word of God in Deuteronomy 28. These blessings will come upon you. And if you don't choose life that your seed might live, that would be your children and your grandchildren, generations. These curses will come upon you. And one of the curses is a generational curse. In other words, there's a spirit in a family that's been allowed. No one's drawn the bloodline against it. No one's cast it out. It's continuing to bring oppression, depression, and it's come in through gen. And you can say, well, who did it come in? I'm not going to go back to the generations to try to find the person. I don't know who that person. It doesn't matter. It needs to be cast out. 
The word of God speaks to spirits that oppress. They're heavy oppression on your mind. You ever feel like you're trampled on? You're distressed? You're subdued? You're stressed out? You're troubled on every side? That's an oppressive spirit. A spirit of oppression needs to be cast out. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Do you notice healing was involved with oppression? The word healing was was healing and deliverance. That's because salvation means deliverance, saved, and healed. So part of the salvation package, if you didn't know this, is deliverance and healing. Go, I'm just saved. Yeah, and delivered and healed, (laughs) whether you know it or not. Spirit of bondages. This Greek word for bondage there is likened to the English word. When I looked this up, it says slave. One who was a slave in Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of, of slavery or bondage again to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. A slave is one who's subject to another. Many people are in bondage and enslaved. They're in slavery to sin. A sorrowful heart is almost an uncontrollable sorrow. Um, you know, if someone lost a child or a baby very young, it's hard for them not to blame themselves if, say, the child drowned in their midst or they couldn't save them. And and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore, it says for Hannah in 1 Samuel 1.10. A spirit of fear is a weapon used to attack your faith. A spirit of fear paralyzes you and causes you to make irrational, stupid decisions in your life. You know, some people... Uh, don't understand that when you operate out of fear and you don't operate out of faith, then you are actually not believing God. Just admit it. No, I'm not in fear. I just, oh my gosh, how ignorant is that? Yes, you are. You're in worry and fear. You're fearing. You're not in faith. Faith has not come out of your mouth. I have not heard you say, I believe God. I am trusting Jesus. I am not putting my reliance on this. I refuse and resist a spirit of fear in Jesus' name. There are spirits of insanity, are spirits of double-mindedness, are spirits that uh, have mental disorders. And when he went forth in the land, he met him out of a certain city, a man which had devils a long time. He wore no clothes and neither lived in a house, but lived in tombs, Eight. Luke 8, 27. There are spirits of, that he was insane, this man. A spirit of despair. The word heaviness is from the Hebrew word there, meaning dark, dim, depressed, despairs. You feel faint, you feel weak. There's no hope. And you know, the Lord said to appoint one in, to, that mourns in Zion to give, him, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified, Isaiah 61, 3. You notice the spirit of depression that's dark, dim, weak, and you're in despair, no hope. That is not going to be lifted. That's a demon spirit of heaviness. It needs to be cast out in the name of Jesus. It needs to be spoken to. A spirit of heaviness, come off. A spirit of depression, go from me right now. In fact, I'm praying for someone right now. If you have a spirit of depression or, or even anger, you have an internal, uh, some kind of turmoil in you, a spirit of brokenness, God wants to heal your broken heart. And he wants to deliver you from demonic oppression, from spirits that are operating through demonic oppression in your life spirit of infirm. An infirmity is a sickness or disease, an infirmary. 
infirmary is a place where there are infirmities. The spirit is associated with sickness and strange fatigue. It's an infirm spirit that comes to bring a disease. In one case, it was a crippling physical malfunction that we see recorded in Luke 8, 2 and Luke 13, 11. It said, and behold, there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity. Notice a spirit, a demon spirit of infirmity. 18 years and was bowed down and could no wise lift herself up. That was a demon spirit. Did you hear that? When the evening had come, they brought many to him who were possessed with devils. And what did he do? Oh, they're possessed by devils. I don't know. The kingdom of God had come in great power and might. He cast out the spirits with his word. He healed all who were sick. He fulfilled what Isaiah spoke. Isaiah the prophet said he would take their infirmities and bear their sicknesses and disease. The spirit of slumber or sleepiness. You know, some people... They are just so weary and tired and lazy. That's also in Proverbs about laziness. And the spirit of slumber will also blind you and it will keep you and you'll reject the truth of God. According to that, a spirit of slumber, it says, according as it is written, God hath not given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see or ears that should not hear. In Romans eleven eight. it says the Lord then poured out in Isaiah 29, a spirit of deep sleep and have closed their eyes. The prophets and the rulers and the seers hath he covered. Those who thought they were seers and prophets, he covered their eyes and blinded them so they could not see the truth because they prided themselves in knowing. They didn't know anything. So God allowed a spirit of slumber to come on them in the Old Testament. A spirit of jealousy means you are resentful or envious of another. It causes you to be very suspicious. You know, people who are always suspicious of other people, they're always talking about them. Well, I, I think maybe this person thinks this about me or this person does this. That's a spirit of suspicion. It is a spirit of jealousy and it's envy. You are envious and you need to call it out. Say, no, spirit of jealousy, go from me in the name of Jesus. There's a great example of jealousy operating in a demon spirit in 1 Samuel 18, 9. Read it. David was being eyed by Saul, King Saul, who had an evil intent. And one day the spirit of jealousy came upon King Saul and he was jealous. Um, and, and, and he was jealous, it says. Okay. And he, he threw a javelin at him. All right. He tried to kill David. All right. And there were other stories in the Bible about that, about jealousy of a wife. A perverse spirit, a perverted spirit is twisted, it warps, it distorts things. Wow, do we not have that spirit in operation today in our world, a spirit of perversion? When this spirit operates, if you don't believe right, then you can't think right. So if you don't believe right, excuse me, if you don't believe right, you can't think right. So if you don't think right, then you will continually make wrong assumptions or decisions or believe wrong things about other people. So a perverse spirit confuses, twists, and warps things. Think about the information coming out of the internet. Think about the information coming out of social media. Think about the information coming out of false news. Think about information around the world. It is twisted, perverted, and distorts things. It doesn't tell the truth. It's not correct because it doesn't think right. It, it can't. It makes wrong assumptions. What I'm saying is it actually just makes wrong decisions and judgments about everyone. The Bible talks about he mingled a perverse spirit in the midst of them that caused Egypt to err in their work. They erred so much that they were like a drunken man staggering in his vomit, Isaiah 19, 14. The fruit of a perverted spirit is error, error, E-R-R, which means to wander about. So a wandering vagabond spirit physically and mentally always goes astray and staggers 
it does not it does not fulfill anything if you have a perverse spirit you need to cast it out now because the fruit of that your what you're producing in your life is constantly wandering either mentally your mind is not focused you're going astray and you're staggering a spirit of divination this is very important to me to teach on this because divination is a form of sorcery and it's a form of divining to to talk to a spirit that will tell you something another spirit like a demonic spirit so in this generation there are many operations of this and you can judge it in the church you can judge it in the world but especially in the world right now it's said in acts 16 16 uh that uh they were walking along and it came to pass a they went to prayer that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met up with them she brought her master as much gain by soothsaying that's an old word and see she had a spirit on her and she kept saying this is a man of god you know one thing about a a witchcraft spirit or divination spirit or an occult spirit you've been involved in your family or an occult that spirit wants attention it wants everybody and here well he was a man of god and tell her to be quiet. So finally, Paul did. He said, be quiet and come out of her, just like Jesus had said the same thing, because this spirit was causing trouble. You say, but what the spirit was saying was true. Yes, but it had a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit. And ultimately, it wanted attention. It wanted attention. So this person who operated was being paid a lot by her masters. (coughs) Excuse me. That spirit was attached to her, and it was many spirits, probably more than one, but there was a definite spirit of, and it can be in spirit-filled churches, these divination spirits. A familiar spirit is another one. Anytime you see the word familiar, it comes from the word family. The spirit is one that tries to deceive family members constantly after someone, let's say there's one way you can look at it. Someone dies in a family Uh, generationally, and they went and sought another way. The Bible says, have no false gods, worship no gods before thee, except one true God. And that one true God, Jehovah God said, do not bow down to these idols. The idols in in the ancient world, these are idols like today. They still have those idols, by the way, in some countries. They still bow down to idols and bring offerings to them in some countries today. And also this idolatry, this idol and idolatry is the cause of the problem in all these countries, in our country, for example. It's because they are seeking another way outside of God for answers. When you go outside of the word of God and outside of Jesus Christ, you are opening yourself up to a spirit in your family that could have been shut down if you had drawn the bloodline, but because you're kind of not settled in your heart, you're double-minded. You don't believe the word of God. You don't practice the word of God. You don't apply it to yourself. You're wandering, wandering, wavering, wavering, double-minded. This familiar spirit is a death spirit. And what it does is it impersonates someone who has died. Now the Bible in Deuteronomy 18.10 memorizes it. It is strictly forbidden by God to seek a familiar spirit. He talks about it all throughout the Old Testament. But here we have King Saul again, who left God because he had to do his own thing, go his own way. And he decided he was going to make the sacrifices. He wasn't called to do that. Did you know 
You don't, you're not called, anointed, and appointed to do something by God. You're not in a position of leadership or ministry. And you go above those in authority. You won't submit to authority because you don't have a teachable heart or spirit. You are in rebellion. Then Saul said unto his servant, Seek me a woman that I can have a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. He was going to a witch. It says the witch of Endor. He was going to visit a witch. This is King Saul. And he says, I'm going, and behold, this woman has a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul thought he was going to disguise himself and put on other raiment. And he went with two men, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him, him up, whom I shall name thee. So he wanted information from the other world. He was already told prophetically what was going to happen. The kingdom was torn from him. In fact, Samuel, before he died, he showed him, God has just rent the kingdom from you. You are no longer an authority. One time Saul was a mighty warrior and was in the kingdom and God used him mightily, but he sinned against God. Okay. And he did not repent. He made excuses. He, he played the blame game. He made excuses. He never actually repented. And so God said, I tore the kingdom, giving it to someone better than you. All right. So he goes in to find answers from this familiar spirit, the spirit of whoredoms. Now I want to talk to you about the spirit of whoredoms as listen to Hosea for the spirit of whoredom caused error and they had gone a whoring from under their God. That meant to God, a whoring spirit was sent out to them, not from God, but from the devil to cause them to have, if you want to say, spiritual adultery or fornication with other uh, gods and other people. So his people were set apart. He likens that to committing adultery against him. So the spirit of whoredom can be seen in adultery and fornication, prostitution, idolatry, homosexuality today, it would be, you know, transgender, you know, lesbianism, everything, all of it. All of that is to God a working of this evil spirit. You can see the spirit operating as people are drawn into all kinds of sexual sins. And some of it may seem mild. Like, for instance, it could be just flirting, inappropriately dressing in a worldly way, like sexually being sensual with their body parts, movements. That's part of the spirit of whoredom on you. And so a worldly dress, I see this everywhere. I don't know why Christians think that when a Christian woman dresses with her, her, her dress hiked up, you know, I mean, she's wearing these platforms and she looks like, you know, she's walking on the street, she's <laughs> street walker, but the spirit of whoredom caused them to err. So they got involved with this spirit that caused them to prostitute themselves, but they were still thinking they were right with God, but they were not. A haughty spirit will deceive you. A haughty spirit is a prideful spirit, is an excessive, it's an unduly high opinion like of yourself. It's, 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 it, it accompanies a haughtiness or being lifted up above others. So the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 16, 18, and 19. 
haughty spirit is everywhere. You can see it. It's idolatry. It's actually you are your own idol. People are haughty and prideful over everything today. They're prideful in what they believe politically. They're prideful in their Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And they're prideful in their uh, dividing the president and talking against him and, and hating him. There is all this prideful haughtiness going on. And top of that is a lying spirit. You hear them just face, they just lie. This is probably the most common spirit found in the world because it, it, it says, Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil against thee. So there is a story in the Bible. You can look it up. It's fascinating. In Chronicles 18, 22, 1 Kings 22, 21, and 23, that God allowed them because they were bent on going their own way. God said, okay, how are we going to get these people to do it? Get a lying spirit and put it in the mouth of their prophets. That means that the prophetic needs to be purified and purged. The prophetic cannot be involved with the flesh or involved with human doings. They have to be separate. It can't be politically motivated. There is an antichrist spirit, which means Christ. The Christ means, if I said Jesus Christ, you know, Joshua, Jesus Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. So the opposite of the Antichrist spirit is that which is anti-anointing. If he is Antichrist and you are a born-again child of God, he is anti-you because you're a child of God. Scripture teaches that there is an Antichrist spirit already at work to buffet the Holy Spirit. It produces contempt, I'm telling you, hatred and disgust. I mean, this, this, this Antichrist spirit hates Christianity. It hates, it loathes you. It loathes you. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, or that means Jesus has come and he has died for your sins on the cross. He came from heaven to die for your sins on the cross. He has not come in the flesh. So he came as a baby in Bethlehem, very God and very man. This is the incarnate incarnation that is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard it should come and is now already in the world, 1 John 4, 3. So every spirit that will not say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. At that time, there were a lot of cults and occult teaching going on heresies in the church in the first century regarding whether or not Jesus actually came. He was a literal man. He was very God and very man. Yes, he had to be the second Adam. He had to be like Adam to redeem us, to buy us back from this orphan planet and the slavery of sin we were involved with, with Lucifer and Satan, who was Lucifer, now Satan, who tricked our first spiritual parents, Adam and Eve. So he had to come in the flesh on this earth in an earth suit. So those were saying, no, he really didn't have a physical body, was lying. So he made a fact, John said here, little children, this is the last hour or time. And as you heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are men, many Antichrist, plural, whereby we know we're in the last time. That's 1 John 2.18. What I'm saying here is this is the last time or the last days or the end end days before Christ returns, the second coming. So there he was saying, we know we're in the last day because many antichrist. There is one antichrist, a person um, who's going to be raised up in, in, in Revelation. He talks about the antichrist, but there are many spirits of antichrist out in the world. An unclean spirit. I saw a news 
report of a woman who never took her garbage out. So uncleanness, you could just think of everything stacked up to the ceiling. It's so unclean, it stinks. That's kind of how it is. An unclean spirit is in the thought realm. It means unclean spirit in the mind. It, it thinks perverse things. It's unclean. It has territory there. For he said to the man, come out of you, you unclean spirit, in Mark 5, 8. Unclean is like thinking unclean thoughts. It's usually involved with perverted actions. I, I had two experiences with an unclean spirit, uh, and they were both uh, the operation of the gift of discerning of spirits, where you could see or know or the Holy Spirit will manifest what spirit is in the room or operating. I have to be before that spirit in order for the Holy Spirit to operate that gift for me, but it is as he wills. I can't turn that gift on. But I'll tell you right now, I was in two situations. Oh my gosh, both of them were social gatherings. Believe me, I was only there to visit this gathering. One was a Christian gathering, yeah, supposedly. The other at someone's home, a nice home. The other was at a gathering as well, a social gathering where there were Christians and non-Christians. Well, when I walked into the Christian, so-called Christian gathering, suddenly it was like my spirit came enlightened or alive as I was walking around and minding my own business and saying hello to people. Suddenly I recognized there is an unclean spirit among us. In my spirit, I go, Lord, who has an unclean spirit? Oh my gosh, it is so strong. It is so strong. There is someone here who's operating with a perverse spirit. They're either looking at things in their mind, they're operating, because I knew it. And it was very disturbing. At that time, my neighbors, this was many years ago, you don't know who they are, no one knows. At that time, my neighbors had this party, but they were very nominal you know, kind of nice, evangelical, you know, believers. I would say somewhat worldly, but, you know, very nice people, well-educated. And they wanted to invite me. They invited me to this party, and I went to the party. I wasn't there very long. I stayed for about an hour to kind of visit and say hello and, you know, have a a few things, snacks or whatever. But I wasn't really, you know, knowing any of the people there. So, again, I wasn't picking anyone out and looking for this spirit no, it was an unclean spirit. God told me it was, and it was very disturbing. And I spoke to my neighbor about it sometime later. I said to her later as I got to know her and I began to lead her into the Holy Spirit baptism according to Acts chapter 2, I began to lead them into being filled with the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God and prayed with her and prayed for her husband. And they began to leave that church and they went to another church and went to Bible school later and I think they broke, you know, fellowship with these people that had the from uh, the unclean spirit. I believe they did totally after the Holy Spirit led them in another direction to be free from that. And then the other time for me was when I was at a party and I was mentoring my friend, and she invited her relatives from. Uh, they were from various places. Her father, her mother, her stepfather, uh, her husband's family originally was from Iran. And there was, his brother was there. He's a very handsome guy, actually. I just remembered that. And then this was many years ago. We were down. It was like a Christmas party, I believe. And what was interesting was I was I had no intention to not meet anyone. or I wasn't looking for anything unclean or clean. But see, the Spirit of God was in me because I didn't know any of these people. So I wasn't, I wasn't picking anyone. I was just minding my own business, so to speak. And suddenly, 
I, I was, again, it was the same thing, like a light went on in my spirit. That's the only way I can describe it, the gift of discerning a spirit. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit in me, that's how I can say it, confronted. It was an unclean spirit. Again, this is the gift of discerning of spirits. So to know or to recognize a spirit in operation is very disturbing. <laughs> Needless to say, I was like, whoa, this is really strong. Well, my friend I had been mentoring for many years, I went to her later and I said, you know, it was interesting. This was some time later. It wasn't during that time. It was probably many months later. I mentioned it to her. I said, you know, when I was at the party that time, I said, who, who is it? Who was it in that crowd that operates? They're either, I don't know, are they, are they leading a double life? Are they, are they gay? I mean, there was an unclean spirit. It was really strong. She goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. She said, that would be my husband's brother who was there. He was the guy that I saw immediately. She goes, he's bisexual. And I'm just telling you what the Lord showed me. There was an unclean spirit there, a spirit of deception, twisted and perverted there. Okay, I'm giving you something that happened to me personally, not from a book I read or anything. This actually happened to me. A deaf and dumb spirit is a tricky one because Jesus cast out out of children. Did you know children can have a demon spirit? The word speaks of a spirit that affects your ability to hear and speak. And actually, it could be a physical impediment, but it could also be someone who's deaf and dumb spiritually. They're, they're, and many times they come into children. Uh, into children. And, and this, this time in the Bible, it says in Mark uh, 9, 17, it said uh, that the man, the father said, Master, I bought my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wherever he, wherever he takes him, the spirit, he tears him. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples and they, that they should cast it out. And they could not. So even this man, I mean, he knew this was a demonic spirit. Isn't it interesting in the Bible, the people brought demon-possessed people to Jesus, they knew these are devils in them. They need to be delivered. The devils are saying, crying out, Jesus, Nazareth, son of God, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You know, And isn't it dumb how the people are ignorant of this? I mean, this man says, this, this spirit takes him, it tears him, and, and he says they couldn't cast it out. And then Jesus answers him and says, oh, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto Jesus. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore him. So when they saw Jesus, it began to act out, again to manifest. It tore him. It, it, it fell on the ground. It wallowed. It started to foam at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long ago since this came into him? And he said, as a child. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. So he's trying to kill him. And actually, this, this demonic spirit, these demonic spirits want to kill this boy. I want you to hear that. This is not a game, people. Wake up, okay? This child was being tormented by a demonic spirit. It cast him in the fire, into the waters, destroy him. And he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. That's for you. All things are possible if you could believe. So it's faith. It's going to take faith. And straightway, the father of the child, notice this, cried out and said with tears, Lord I believe. Isn't that what Jesus needs for us to say? Lord Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that, the people came running together. So he rebuked the foul spirit saying, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And he entered him no more. 
And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him as, and he was as if he was dead. Think about it. This thing had this guy, this little kid, every way tormented in and out of his body, his mind, and was manifesting all the time. This thing was manifesting. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. That's Mark 7, 9, 17 through 27. There are misleading spirits, and I want to have you check this spirit right now. A misleading spirit is a deceiving spirit. It's called a doctrine of devils or demons. Many of these misleading spirits are in the earth today. They seduce, they corrupt, and they bring deception. Doctrines, they bring doctrines. You could be a doctrine of communism, you know, a doctrine, an ideology of, you know, um, uh, some people have a spirit on them and they believe a certain way and they're involved with these groups that are secret societies. These are doctrines of demons. The scripture speaks of a spirit that misleads one into deception and corruption. It's very difficult for one to be deceived that has not already been seduced by the spirit of this misleading spirit. Notice the power of the spirit's ability to separate the righteous from a steadfast faith. So it will separate a person from righteousness and truth and it will seduce them. It says, now the Spirit speaks expressly. Notice, in the latter times. That's our time, 1 Timothy 4.1. Some shall depart from the faith. Notice that. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So notice the doctrines they believe in, the many, many cults, the many false religions, uh, the many um, people say, I believe in socialism, communism, ism, schism, feminism, Catholicism, Protestantism, ism, just add an ism after it, schisms. Uh, it, it separates you from the truth. It divides and conquers. The spirit of error is in, it, it, the error leads one astray from the right way by producing wrong thinking. Error is a state of believing. You know, you imagine something is true when it's untrue. <laughs> it's a deviation from the truth. It's a correction. It's a, it's an incorrect way of believing. So a spirit of error is like, it doesn't matter if somebody tells you something. If you have a demon spirit of error, you believe what you're doing is right. Look at all the actions that are happening in the world today. People believe what they're doing is right. They have a spirit of error on them. It's a state of believing something that is untrue. Remember that a spirit, we are of God. He that knoweth God hears us. He that does not hear, he that is not of God, excuse me, hears us not. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That is 1 John 4, 6. So when you go and you're with people and they don't want to have fellowship with you, you should say good because they are in a spirit of error and a doctrine of demon and they want to believe their false ideology or they want to believe what they want to believe is true. You can't handle that because you can't be with the spirit of error. Paul, uh, excuse me, John said, we are of God. He that knows God hears us. Do you notice when people block things? If someone tries to uh, take authority over you when you're speaking uh, and they're trying to speak over you, that is not the spirit of God. God does not interrupt himself. The spirit of this world is another spirit. A worldly spirit is a, a spirit that conforms to the carnality of the mind. They are drawn off to worldliness, conversations. It could be in anything, in, in education, in the arts, in literature, in worldly fashion, the fashion industry, in Hollywood, in celebrities, and 
um, you know, the industries that are of this world, actually, everything. It could be anything, the business world, anything. But this is a spirit of the world. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12, spirit of treachery. Treachery is a, oh my goodness, is a betrayal. It's a complete betrayal of trust. When you, you know, you know, tre- a spirit of treachery, a demonic spirit of treachery, it is going to, it is going to betray you. It, it, it is not going to be true. It is not a good alliance. It's not faithful. The spirit is disloyal. It gives a false appearance. It will give you a false appearance. It will tell you the demonic spirit will speak to that person and control them and say, oh no, I'll do this. Everything's okay. Oh no, no, you can trust me. Or they give a false impression. But when you are possessed by a spirit that's unreliable, a spirit that is going to betray, this, then God sent an evil spirit. It says, in Judges 9.23, it was a spirit of treachery against another person. He, it says he allowed that spirit to go against them. He was, there were some things going on in Judges at the time. But these spirits of treachery are betrayal. We see that in the White House. We see the president being betrayed. We see the president being betrayed by the media. We see the president, president being betrayed by the Democratic Party, at least the left, the wing part of the Democratic Party that is way off that wants to bring in this new world order, that wants to bring in this socialism. There is a whole side there of treachery operating, take authority over it, a spirit of murder. Where have we seen spirit of murder? In all these riots that were going on, murdering spirits. We see the the, the cop, the white cop murdering the black guy, and then next thing we know, there is a spirit of murder in operation. We saw that when Saul cast that, that javelin and he tried to kill David on the wall. David avoided it and got out of his presence. And that was 1 Samuel 18, 11. The evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin on the wall. And David was rescued. And David fled. He escaped that night. You know, it was 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 11. David escaped this spirit. The final thing I want to share with you are insights into the end. What can happen in the end? How do we get delivered from these things? How do we get delivered from them? All right, so this is my final thing. I'm going to pray with you. And I just want to remind you that there are useful insights here. Taking one's authority having a scriptural foundation for deliverance, being guided by the Holy Spirit. This is not a game, something that you don't play around with. You need to understand deliverance is real. There needs to be things cast out using the name of Jesus, the power and authority in his name. You know, deliverance comes from the Lord and the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating are very important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. Know the word of God. Understand that God sends us to bring healing and deliverance. God will send us into prayer with groanings. You know, the Bible talks about in the spirit. Likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the spirit makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Romans 8, 26. Have you ever groaned in the spirit? I have. In the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says there are different types of prayer, including groanings in the spirit. That is a legitimate groaning in the spirit. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. A watchman on the wall is watching Ephesians 6.18. Groanings raised the dead when Jesus groaned in his spirit. It says Lazarus came out of that grave. It actually records that in John 11.38. He, he groaned within himself. Groanings brought deliverance. So we can see healing and deliverance. Healing and deliverance go hand in hand. So we know that God is showing us that we can see this deli- deliverance. And you know, people that cut themselves, people that, that are involved with these things, that was recorded also in the Bible. I forgot to share that with you, that there was a man that was uh, found in the tombs, it says. And this man, when Jesus came, when Jesus came to him, he was, he was there and he was cutting himself. And his name, this name of these demons, there were legions in him. And it said, when he came out of the ship, immediately Jesus, there met him uh, out of the tombs, a man with unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him and no, not with chains because he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broke in pieces neither could any man tame him he always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones but when he saw jesus afar off he ran and worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said what have we to do with thee jesus thou son of the most high god i adjure thee by god that thou torment me not for jesus was saying unto him come out of the man thou unclean spirit And he asked, What is your name? And he answered, Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. But there were unto there some mountains of a great herd of swine feeding. And the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine. Now this is an actual account in the Bible. In um, See, that would be in Mark 9, 38 and 39. So Jesus said, uh, But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can highly speak evil of me. Jesus was referring there. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that was not correct. Jesus was referring to the devils being cast out. The devils went out and they ran violently, excuse me, down into a steep sea. And they were about 2,000 and they were choked. I'm sorry, that was not correct. I didn't give you a scripture. Um, Mark 5, 2. Uh, I'm sorry, that is Mark 5, 2, 13 through um 2 through 13, Mark 5, 2 through 13. So it he did give them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and they ran violently down the place of the sea, and there was 2,000 of them. So these spirits were territorial. They were not tamed. They could not be restrained. They screamed. They cut themselves. So that's what we're dealing with right now. Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus, she had seven demons in her. The Bible records that. He delivered her. Mary so loved the Lord that she honored the Lord by being the first witness of his resurrection for whom he had cast out seven devils. It says in Mark 16, nine, you know, there's so many wonderful accounts about her after um, Jesus rose from the dead. It said she went into France, like where France was, and she had a ministry there. And I believe that was recorded in the book of Josephus. I believe about her. They traced Mary Magdalene, a follower, a disciple of Jesus. So we know in Luke 8, 2, she was found ministering to Jesus. This is a woman who these demons were cast out of. So the deliverance is is there. There is a miracle ministry. This was a mighty woman of God. And again, 
miracles are coming and are a sign, they're a mark, they're a token, and they're an unusual occurrence. But these miracles need to be performed right now in our nation, in our own lives. Who needs deliverance? Anyone who needs deliverance and healing. Anyone right now that is oppressed. Anyone that needs to be healed in the name of Jesus. But before that can happen, you need to understand that demons attach themselves to sin. Demons come in in packs and they attach themselves where there is sin. So the first powerful thing I need to tell you about this things to, to get rid of evil spirits is to deliver, get delivered uh, from sin and stop being separated from God. Don't give him any foothold. Don't open a door for demons. Number two, don't have a bitter or unforgiving heart. And sometimes we have had those in our past, even sins that we don't even know, un, sins that we haven't remembered, or it could be sins that are of not, um, that are hidden down deep in our heart. Those have to be uh, you know, remitted. When we choose not to forgive those who have hurt us, it opens the door for tormenting spirits. Hurts and wounds, you know, wounded spirit. Any contracts or agreement you made with anything, you have to renounce the devil. Did you know that you have to renounce him? Did you know you have to say no to him? Any curses that have been passed down? You know, Jesus said in Exodus 34, 7, God said he would keep mercy for a thousand generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. And, and that these people would, would be, be kept, their children's children's children, the third and fourth generation, they would be released from these curses. This was under the old covenant. If they did not bow down, if they did not serve any other gods, he said he would not. But if they chose to serve other gods, if you choose to be apart from God, he says he's a jealous God. He would, he would visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. That's in Deuteronomy 5, 9. If you have any type of idols, you could be your own idol. You know, back then they would build these idols. But idols, the Bible says, have no other gods or idols before me in Exodus 23. Idolatry. Think of idolatry now. Def- define it as anything that you would put before God. It is the worship of something other than our creator himself.